Hi, you're listening to the Raise the Vibe with Liz podcast. I'm your host, Liz Peterson. I interview today's inspirational speakers and healers. Thank you for listening to the show. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Raise the Vibe with Liz. I'm your host, Liz Peterson. Today, I have Jeff Lizewitz with me today. Yeah, Yeah, I got it right. So Jeff burns with a mission to inspire and teach writers, artists, songwriters, musicians, filmmakers, solopreneurs, art organizations, and every other human with a heartbeat to amp up their vision, tap into their potential, and shine in the world. Besides being a creative coach, Jeff is an award-winning musician, producer, a critically acclaimed author, and internationally distributed filmmaker who has devoted his life to creativity. He chronicled the grunge scene in the 90s on 101.7 The End. He's the guy behind Electron Love Theory, garnering more than a quarter million downloads worldwide, released studio albums, thousands of music placements for film, TV, and multimedia, and Jeff's critically acclaimed book that we're going to be talking about today, Not Fucking Around, The No Bullshit Guide to Getting Your Creative Dreams Off the Ground, has helped thousands of creatives step forward in their work and creativity. Jeff, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. That's awesome. Yeah, this is great. I'm looking forward to this. I read your book, and I have to tell you, right time for me, especially right now, you know, dragging my feet, getting my website up for this podcast and a couple other things. So mm-hmm. thank you for the encouragement. And we're going to be sharing with our guests today all about your book and um, how it can encourage them. So why don't you start by saying a little bit about yourself and what got you to right now in your life? How did I get here? Well, it's always a good question, right? Um, When I was a kid, I was always like this kid who was sort of with the imaginary friends and playing by myself and all that, sort of the weird friendless kid, if you will. Um, And... I went to summer camp. This is back, you know, this is way back in the 70s, like seven or eight years old or something. And every night after dinner at the summer camp, they had this thing called free play where the kids could just kind of run amok all over the place. Um, This one summer there was an empty cabin. So uh, a counselor brought up this big 70s stereo, big old drum kit and a box of records. And of course in the 70s, this is like, you know, Zeppelin and Billy Joel and Tom Petty and Bowie and, you know, just like great stuff. Lucky. Yeah. So after dinner, this guy, every night, this guy would go into this cabin and, and play along to these records. And I, as a little kid, would sit outside and just kind of listen to this. And I was like mesmerized. Like, what is going on in there? And then one day, this guy comes out and he's like, hey, kid come here. I'm like, what? <laughs> and he's like, you want to come in and check this out? I'm like, uh, yeah. So I went in there and he put on the who song won't get fooled again, which is a major rock song for any who fans out there. And he just blasted these drums and my little eight year old heart just exploded into a new world of music that I'd, you know, never really experienced before. So from there, it turned into, hey, mom, I want to play guitar, into, hey, I want to be a rock star, which didn't go down very well uh, with parents, (laughs) as you might suspect. But um, anyway, to keep it basically pretty short, moved across the country, played in a million bands, uh, won a big award, which I think you mentioned there. And lots and lots of music and recording, I teach songwriting now, and then on the other and uh, other creativity too, screenwriting and writing the book and photography. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the other side of my personality, I think, is um, always seeing potential in people and in things and the world. So I've studied and practiced something called NLP, which you may be familiar with, neurolinguistic repatterning. Yeah, yeah, and the coaching and this and that. So I kind of put them all together. I'm like, who are my people? It's creatives who are struggling to, you know, move forward in their lives and their creativity. 
and I kind of had all these tools. So I put them all together, wrote the book, rocked on, and here we are on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's a great book. It hits on a lot of really key points and, you know, the journey for sure. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about it. I like it in the beginning of your book, you have the FA and then the NFA. <laughs> fucking around and not fucking around. So can you describe how you see the difference so our listeners can understand what you're talking about? Mm -hmm. So FA, fucking around, <laughs> is both essential in our lives and has the uh, potential for abuse, let's just say. So fucking around, everybody knows what that means. You know, playing the video games, you know, doing not much, shopping for sport, you know, just like hanging around constantly, um, things like that, watching too much TV, binge watching, right? We need those things because we, most people generally work too much, uh, you know, to start with. But what does tend to happen is people get too much into this FA as opposed to NFA, <clears throat> not effing around. Not effing around in my book, uh, which, you know, I actually have a book as it turns out, <laughs> is finding what you truly love, what really lights you up, what really turns you on, getting a plan, stepping forward, and achieving, or not even necessarily achieving, but just moving towards your dreams, right? Living a life that matters to you having a powerful presence within yourself, which then transfers really to the world. So that is my basic definition between FA and NFA. So when you live a life that is NFA with just enough FA in there, you are going to have a, a powerful life where you, you love every day and you move forward and you don't get discouraged when things go wrong because they will, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, that's, that's the basic premise of that. Cool, so let's talk about how courage plays a role in um, NFA. Mm -hmm. Courage, 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 uh -huh. right? There are all kinds of different kinds of courage, but one thing that we know is that it takes courage to move forward in life because this world is difficult, right? As you may have noticed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you can either take the failures, the resistance, the friction, the difficulties and stop or change courses or go run and hide, which sometimes is necessary for sure. Mm -hmm. Or you can have the courage to move forward into uncomfortable situations and various risks and do things like this. And I can assure you that literally every single successful person, depending on how you define success, has the courage to move forward, to get back on the horse, to put themselves into, into situations that don't always feel good. And I'm talking to everybody from, you know, some kid just trying to play baseball to multi-zillionaire, you know, tech people, right? Uh -huh. The scale changes and the situation changes but hey, it's scary to hop up on that baseball plate when you're 10 years old and you just struck out three times in a row, just like it's scary to introduce a new product in the marketplace that could have you losing hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. All takes courage. Yeah. You said something interesting in your book. You had an advisor, you know, when you were finishing up college, say a couple harsh things. Like, um, if you choose to be an artist, be prepared for 97% pain and rejection. 
and then followed it up with the world is going to do everything possible to beat you down and keep you from learning, let's say learning, growing and creating. So how did that affect you? Well, first of all, 25 or something years after college, I, I think that percentage is a little low. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I would move That's it up to <laughs> I would move it up to 98 or maybe oh. even 99. Um, so how did it affect me? Yeah, well, did it encourage you or you know, did it kind of knock you back for a little bit? Well, when I was young and rather inexperienced in the ways of the world, um, I didn't believe it. I, you know, they told that, that advisor, um, told me that and I was like, yeah, no way. Uh, uh-uh. you know, I'm 23, go get, get out of my way. Right. Okay. And that's what you have to have when you're, when you're young, right. Your, your best asset is not your experience or your skills. It's your naivete, your idealism, where you can just be like, you know what? I'm going to be a rock star. Yeah, let's go. Let's, let's rock. Right. Or I'm going to build this business or I'm going to do, you know, whatever your thing is. So yes, at the time I didn't believe it. Over time, I started to realize, wow, maybe the college professor who's been at it, you know, decades longer than I have was right. So how did it affect me over time? Um, I am one who does well with some degree of adversity, right? Mm-hmm. Tell, tell me I can't do it. If I want to do it and someone tells me I can't, that's a good recipe for me to do the thing. And it's not just me. There is a book, uh, a really great book by Malcolm Gladwell called Outliers. And this book does basically scientific studies on the, the highest achieving people in the world, right? Looking at the Beatles and Michael Jordan and Steve Jobs, like people like this, right? And one of the many things that he concluded after studying this is that people who are very, very successful have been told by someone they care about at a young age that they cannot do the thing that they want to do. Yeah. Right? Make doesn't yeah. seems weird and counterintuitive, but I, I know from my own experience that this is true. Um so in ways that I was not supported in my dreams growing up, it's actually a big thank you, right? Because telling me I, I can't means, yeah, I'll show you, we'll see, right? And that, that's, a, that's a bit of fire for me. And, and that's really one interpretation of resistance like we were talking about before. Yeah. So someone else can have a difficulty or a challenge or a failure and they interpret that as I'm done, I quit. Right? 90% 97% pain and rejection, no way. And hey, that's, you know, if that's not your thing or you're not willing, well then that's the choice you make and that's the life that you will you will get a different life out of those choices because really our life is a result of our choices in in many, many, many cases, not all, but many. So, um, so really the question is, is almost what do you do when you come up against those walls? How do you interpret that? And what is your next step? So if you quit and run away, that's one way to deal. If you stop, evaluate deeply and honestly what just happened, learn from that, tweak your plan, tweak your approach, whatever the thing is, and then step forward again with that courage, it's a pretty good chance 
something good eventually will happen. And I'll tell you this, when you do that, this is almost the definition of self-esteem. Yeah, let's unpack that a little bit more because I can see a lot of people, you know, you talk in your book about being stuck or settling or waiting for everything to be perfect or waiting for things to shift. So let's unpack that a little bit more. Yeah. So if you if you have an experience which is difficult and you fall down, you know, you you get hurt, you um, fail essentially in whatever you're trying to do and you make the steps to do what I just suggested, you know, think about what's going on, talk to some people, perhaps readjust the plan and step forward. Even if you get knocked down again, even if you fail on your very next step, you do not fail because here's what you get. You get the self-esteem and the self-esteem is not about winning. People think it is. <laughs> it's got something to do with it, but it's not really the whole deal. The real deal is knowing that you have the resilience to move forward. And the only way to know you have the resilience to move forward is to, to actually do it, to make the choice, to be like, oh, I just got clobbered. Ouch. Sit there, lick the wounds, as they say. Take a breath. Stand up. Okay, you gonna clobber me again? I don't know. I'm coming at you know. I'm moving forward. Nice, right? And uh, you know that's one part of the recipe for for success to to move closer to your dreams. Nobody gets this stuff immediately, quickly, whatever. And in the unlikely event that they do, the overnight success, which you know basically doesn't happen. Uh, they can't hold on to it because it came, it came too easily, mm -hmm. right? When they have a, a very uh, big difficulty, they won't have the resilience to move forward. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You do gain it by historically by repeating, you know, falling and falling and falling. That's how you build it for sure. I don't think it comes. I don't know. I suppose people could be born with it, but I'm thinking it comes, you know, from the yeah. hardships in life for sure. Yeah. We so let's it. talk about um, the neurolinguistics. You know, mm -hmm. let's, the what is that, and then how does that work in your coaching practice? Yeah, neurolinguistic repatterning is essentially a series or collection of tools that one can use to uncover, in therapeutic sense, uncover um, unconscious blocks. Right? So the deal is, <laughs> in this world, we're basically operating at two levels. One is the exterior world, which is, hey, you know, I'm running around doing my thing, sending my emails, all that kind of stuff. And then the other one is the internal world. And the internal world is, you know, what's going on in your head and even deeper in your subconscious or unconscious. When you're unconscious, or if you're unconscious is programmed or set in such a way um, that you do not believe that you can do something or there are specific blocks in terms of I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I can never finish a project, you know, a million of these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter in the exterior world if you when you succeed in the exterior world, you will always eventually default back to where you were before. So NLP endeavors to dip into the subconscious of, of my clients and untangle these subconscious blocks because all it really is, is a way of thinking. It's so ingrained that you don't think you're thinking it, right? So we get in there and we tweak this stuff and we realize that, um, you know, in most cases, 
these are not helpful or the, or these ideas are only helpful in certain circumstances. So uh, from there, you know, we work that out. And then when we work on the external world, hey, let's track your habits. Hey, let's really see where your skills are and your, va your value and your, um, you know, your dreams and your mission, the why behind what you do. Mm -hmm. All of this always moves faster, more clearly, and more joyfully, right? Because at the end of the day, you want your dream. You want to, if you're a writer, you want to write because you love writing. If writing is, is difficult and, you know, a, a slog doing it every day, you're not going to want to do it. So when we change the internal experience and then sort of marry that with the external experience, this is where the flow is. And, you know, you could say the, the spiritual energy flows, you know, through you, through your, your mind and inner world. And then the outer world, you know, in many ways conforms almost mm -hmm. to what's going on inside. Great. So someone who may not be in touch with that flow how do you guide them to discover what they love to do? Sure. Well, people tend to get to that place by having, by having ideas that they are not allowed to tap into their joy because it's not, you know, it's not right for some reason. I mean, I'll just speak on my experience. I believed on some level that music was not a job. It was never a job. It shouldn't be a job. It's a hobby, right? This is the thing. So I could never fully put myself into it until I hit about 30 when I started making money at music and all of a sudden it was like oh wake up dude if this is what you want th it, like this is a job this is the thing that you want so um yeah putting those putting that together and understanding that what you do and what you love can be the same thing so we go down and we, we peel away the layers of what's stopping you from knowing what you love. Because chances are you go back to your childhood and as ridiculous and almost trite as it seems, people are going to be like, oh, well, I really loved collecting rocks. Like when was the last time you collected a rock? Oh, you know, when I was seven, you know, why not? Well, I don't know. I just forgot about it. Right things like this. So we, we dig down, we see what, what used to light you up, what could light you up now, what, where, what your passions are, right? And these passions aren't necessarily creative, although with my clients, they mostly are. Mm -hmm. um, you, you can get to this also by tapping, <laughs> strangely enough, into the negative of the, of the thing, right? Mm -hmm. So, if you have this like trigger about something, oh God, you know, actors are idiots, <laughs> right? Actors are idiots, they're all idiots, you know. As it turns out, hmm, you wanted to be an actor, <laughs> right? I mean, humans are funny, you know that. Yeah. So, you know, there's a variety of, of ways that we kind of look into that also use a and this is a little bit more of a business um tool i guess but it's something called ikigai you ever hear of ever hear of this this is a I'm, I'm not talking about ikigai is not you know the weirdo on the bus or something like that it's a it's a japanese concept and you th think of it as um a Venn diagram, you know, where the little bubbles are kind of overlapping. So there's four different parts. 
what you love is one of the parts, okay? What you're good at is another part. What the world needs is a part. And the fourth one is what will the world pay for? There's all kinds of ways this can overlap, but the icky guy is the center. If you can find something, which everyone can eventually, if you're willing to find it and or build your skills, um, something that you love that you're good at, the world needs and um, will pay for. You hit that, gold. And I'm not talking just the bank account gold, I'm talking gold in your heart. Yeah. Yeah, because it's something you're passionate about, so it'll bring you joy every day. Exactly. There's, you know, there's working, doing a job, and there's like, oh, this is my work. Yeah. Right? It's my, it's essentially my love that I get paid for. Yeah. And a lot of people don't have that, and I get it, and there's lots of circumstances around that. Mm -hmm. Um, But moving towards that, it's a good, uh, it's a good idea if you ask me. Yeah, it is. So you get people to ask the why do they love it? What's the um, journey to that, you know, to that finding that authentic self, the why behind it? Right. Well, the journey to finding the, uh, the authentic self is to be authentic and the bottom line on that is to have courage and vulnerability within yourself, right? The, the world, and this maybe is what my teacher was talking about back there in college, the world is rough, like, right? We get smacked around in a million different ways, you know, nearly every day in, some, in one way or another. That tends to toughen our... Um, our being, right? To keep us protected from the outside world, which is legit mm-hmm. to, to, some, to some level, right? Or to some, in some ways. But when we create that barrier within ourselves, we, first of all, we don't, we're not in tune with ourselves. That's the first problem. Then you don't even know yourself after a while. Right. And then you're making decisions based on things that have nothing to do with who you really are. So it does take courage and vulnerability to tap into your truth and to then take action. Because like we were saying before, yeah, you will feel uh, fail. You will have difficulties. But the difference is when you're moving towards your dream, those are just sort of like scars on the way to victory as opposed to bruises on the way to nowhere. You know? So... Basically, if you're going to get knocked around in this world, at least get knocked around on the way to something worthwhile. <laughs> right? right? Yeah. Let's talk about intention setting around this. Mm-hmm. In your book, you discussed that a little bit, the importance of that. Yeah. So intention is huge. And, you know, you hear this everywhere in these kinds of circles, but it's completely true. And it is the why, why are you doing your thing? If the why is external from your core truth, it will never be powered with the same kind of energy that it would be if it was internal. So for instance, when you are doing something just for money, right? Everybody wants money, everybody needs money, it's legit. Mm -hmm. But when it's just for money, you can't possibly be caring 
that much about what you're doing, right? To, to the highest level that you're capable of. If you are doing what you love, like really love, and I'm not just talking about, oh yeah, I love it. I'm talking about, I love this. When I paint, when I write, when I sing, when I dance, when I cook, right? When I help people, when I teach, like the, you know, all this kind of stuff, right? Love it, like your heart's beating. That's different. <laughs> That's a different kind of energy. You will do better. You will be more energized, right? And let me just tell you a little story from my, my uh, personal uh, work. I also teach um, songwriting at a college over here near Seattle. So it's one-on-one -on -one lessons with these students. An hour at a time in a studio, teach them how to record, how to write songs, music, there's all this stuff. I love that work with a capital L. Such that last semester and, and numerous other semesters, I've had 12 hours of teaching, teaching time in a day. Like literally <laughs> 8 a.m. till 9 or 10 at night. And you would think that I would be just completely knocked out. Mm -hmm. But I am actually jazzed up the entire time. Now, when I get home, I've got about 10 seconds before I'm you know, done, done for. But during that time of the actual teaching, I'm, I'm fired up. And that is because I know that I love working with these students and talking and making music so much. So that's where the energy and that's where the intention is. And by the way, when I'm doing that job, I'm not thinking like, oh, I got a paycheck, which I do, and you know, that's great. What I'm thinking is, how can I help this student become the songwriter and recording artist you know, at their highest level, at their highest good? Completely different. I'm not sitting there looking at the clock kind of thing. Right. Yeah. That's great. So intention matters. Yeah. So understanding your intention is big. And, and by the way, um, I think most people don't truly even understand their own intention most of the time, unless you're really conscious about that. Uh, you know, in, in the coaching, we, we do this all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, the sort of why are you doing this? Hmm. Well, what's the why behind the why? Oh, wow. Hmm. What's the why behind the why behind the why? Ding, 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 ding. That's what's going on. Yeah, it can change everything depending on what you find behind the why. Exactly. Yeah, you might need to shift your wording or your intention altogether. Yeah, and it comes down to <clears throat> being, being conscious, right? Because so much of what we do really is unconscious or semi-conscious. And then you don't think about it, you just, you just keep, keep on going. When you really tap into that you know, expanding of your consciousness, um, your world gets bigger and clearer and easier in many cases. Excuse bless me. you. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, bless you. Um, let's see. You also talk about um, accountability. So declaring your dream and making it real. So let's unpack that a little bit. Let's declare your dream. Okay, so we've gotten through all this stuff, right, in our process here. Um, one of the next parts is accountability. It's, it's actually doing the thing that you know the why for, that you love. Maybe it's your icky guy and you'll make some money, this and that, all these kinds of things. Well, even at this point, people, it's easy for people to become distracted and, and let it go, not put the energy, not put the focus in. Well, they've done a ton of studies on this. Having accountability helps people to do the thing they, you know, they said they want to do or they have to do. So, you know, your basic thing is at work. Well, we know what time you clocked in. Okay, well, there's accountability. Hey, at the end of the day or the end of the week, what'd you do? Hmm, right? That kind of thing. School. Did you do your homework, little Johnny? 
<laughs> right? Pass it in. Oops, it's not there. Hmm. Right? All these kinds of things are accountability. Now, it is so, so getting an accountability partner who is really going to hold you to the task is key to stepping forward in your mission. That said, it can never, it should never be your partner's um, responsibility to check in with you because that actually diminishes your power, right? So the deal is if you and I are accountability buddies and I'm trying to write my book and I say, hey, I'm gonna write my, you know, write my book and, and have a specific goal, which we do that stuff too. I have this thing called NFA missions, which is a whole series of ideas. Um, but let's just say we've got that. I can't wait for you to call me or text me and say, hey, Jeff, did you do that thing today? Like you said, you were gonna? Because that is, that is diminishing, that is literally diminishing my power. We need, one of the big things we, we do and talk about in NFA coaching is centering your power. Because really, we only have so much power in this world. And it comes down to three things. It comes down to how you act in the world, how you react to the world, and how you perceive the world. We've got a lot of influence, potentially, in other ways, but we really only have power and control in those pieces. So what we, you know, what we do is help people to center their control. So me reaching out to you and saying, hey, I wrote my 500 words today is a lot different than you texting me and saying, hey, Jeff, did you do your, what you said you were gonna do, right? I mean, you can, you can feel how different that is. So anyway, we set up, uh, set up accountability. I am, I am, you know, the accountability partner for my clients. So I get texts all day, all kinds of days and night. Hey, I did my illustration. Hey, I just played this gig. Hey, I wrote my chapter. You know, it's like two in the morning and people are email, you know, texting me with their success stories. So I freaking love that. You know, it's fantastic. Progress. That's awesome. It's progress. It's one step, you know, one step but, uh, that's cool. So how does, how does the next, the step of visualization? So how does that play a role? Why is it important to do it and to feel it? Visualization. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, visualization is, well, it depends. <laughs> it depends what level you're talking on here. On one level, visualization is a way to focus your mental thoughts, your, your ideas, right? If you can clearly see, here is what I want, you know, my life to look like, my studio setup to be, um, you know, my income, all these different things. If you can clearly see that, it's just naturally going to focus your um, your actions and decision makings against that picture right so if your if your vision is i'm going to paint in my studio every day you've got a very clear vision of that and your friend says hey let's go for a three-week road trip right if you go on the road trip, you're not going to be painting for three weeks. Maybe the road trip's good. Maybe that's your choice. That's fine. No judgment. But you're not painting, right? If you know that painting every day is what's most important to you, you're going to wait on that road trip until you decide to alter that. So that's the one level. The next level gets weird and into the quantum and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know if, you know, we want to get into all that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot more going on 
to this life than what it looks like. <laughs> yes. Right. I know you know that, and I think your listeners got got that too. So when you visualize your vision, let's just say, and you energize it with emotion, right? That's kind of the, the uh, secret sauce there. Right? You have to feel what it's like to be in that studio painting every day. You're like, oh, those colors. Oh, man, this thing is coming together. This is beautiful. I love my art. Like you feel it as well as kind of see the picture in your head. I believe that this kind of broadcasts, um, you know, I don't know, vibes or something out into the universe, which then flashes back to you, comes back to you in ways that you cannot um, sort of plan for or, or, or not causal. Right, so in this case, or this example that I'm, I'm making up here, you got that visualization, you know your why, you've got your habit, your accountability partner, all this stuff, you're visualizing, you're actually doing it, because you, you do have to do it, obviously. But then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this person that you knew you know, from college finds you on Facebook and says, hey, what's going on? Oh, guess what? I've got this gallery down in San Diego. Do you want to put your stuff in? You're like, wait, what? Like you could not have put that together yourself, essentially. Mm -hmm. But the world does this. And, you know, you, you see this, or I've seen it anyway, you yeah. know, with, with jobs. You're trying to get the job. You're trying to get the job. You're trying to get that, putting in all these applications, all this stuff. Ah, but I, you know, I want this kind of job. I want this beautiful, great job, high paying, this and that. And then you kind of sit there and take a breath. None of these guys are getting back to you. And then you, again, you get that phone call from somebody who's not supposed to be really in touch with you. And before you know it, you got a thing. I, I could tell you crazy stories about that, but I'll, I'll hold yeah, on. Yeah, but low coincidences and synchronicities. Yeah. The magic in life I really live for. Yeah. So there's, there's magic and, you know, use it. Yeah. That's, what, that's the part of what the visualization's for. So, um, you had mentioned also a couple sentences back, like starting it, like living it before you get it. It sounded like you were going into, so maybe touch on that a little bit. So living it before you get it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can visualize, you can know your why, you can do the NLP and untangle the blocks, all these kind of things. And that's all great. Like you need to do that. And then the rubber hits the road, which means, okay, let's stop talking and let's start doing. Right. Mm -hmm. So that is simply putting in the work like this world is work and and really when i say that it it just reminds me that if you're doing what you truly love and you know the why and all these kinds of things the work is still work but it is also joy thus the process of doing the thing is the gift of the thing it's not the product although the product's great too it's like if you're a writer writing the book is the fun part having the book finished on your desk when you're done like okay great time to write another book <laughs> right Absolutely in the process the the process i mean it's just like life it's just distilled to your um you know to your practice or, or your dream or whatever your thing is if you love, if you truly love what you do, even though it is, it can at times be difficult, you're still going to love it. Right on. Yeah. So, so action. So saying yes, getting creative and taking risks. What do you recommend to your clients when, you know, they figured it out and they're making the leap and they're taking the risk, you know, how are you supporting them through that? Well, I support them 
in, in a number of ways. One is the accountability, the daily accountability, or, or weekly, depending, you know, depending on what their system is, I guess. Um, having a coach is, is very helpful for a lot of people because they're like, oh, I'm seeing this guy, Jeff, at Tuesday at noon, um, and I'm paying for it. I better be doing my thing, right? So that is a way. And then you've got your next level, which is, you know, in various, not everything, but in various ways I can help create uh, creatively. I can help my writers and screenwriters. I can help my musicians, you know, stuff like that. I can't really, got one client these days who's a chef. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm just not that great of a chef, so I <laughs> can't really help that much. But um, so the creative, the creative uh, part, and then the next part for the ones who are interested, the business. How do you publish a book? Well, I can tell you. How do you, you know, what's up with song music distribution? And how do you get your, you know, Facebook funnel going? And you know, these million things, which I've done which by the way is different than studying how to do. Yeah, way different. Way different. Um, oops, you know, it's the same thing. Hey, I've done this. Ooh, I spent a lot of money and screwed it all up. Hmm, that's a failure, right? What do you do? You learn, you figure it out, you try it again. Ooh, wait, this thing's actually working, right? I understand that and I can help people, you know, in ways that someone who Oh, I went to school to study social media marketing. And then I, you know, got a job at a company. Like, they haven't really done it. You know, you have to, just like everything, you have to do it to really know it. That's what, that's what cred or credibility is. Mm-hmm. You have tools in your toolkit. Yeah. Nice yeah. ways you can help people out. Yeah. So you've got, um, say a client comes to you and they have fear and they've got that negative voice in their head and you know, you're jumping into the reprogramming with them. How do you walk them through? What do they need to do to get out of that fear moving forward with their dream? Well, everyone's different. And the biggest thing that they need is to be ready to do the work and to be willing to have, courage and vulnerability. I mean, from there, I got a million tools that everybody's different and we, you know, we take it the way, the way it goes. But that, that is the bottom line. If you're not ready, you know, I, I can't help you. you know, if your spouse or something says, you got to talk to this guy, Jeff, you know, you do it or whatever. Yeah. They're not ready <laughs> unless they are. Right. But if the, essentially, if you're forced to do the work, you're not going to do the work. Right. And then you have to be willing to, you know, go into some tender spots because if you're not getting what you want, there's something that's stopping you. Right. Yeah. So you talk a little bit in your book about self-sabotage. You want to talk about that a little bit and taking responsibility for your life? Sure. Well, it's easy uh, to blame somebody else or something else, right? And in some cases, that these factors, these people factors, whatever, are absolutely relevant and affecting you or have affected you in different ways. That's completely, that can be completely true. And then you need to take responsibility for your life, right? It's not your fault, but it's still your responsibility. So, you know, the favorite uh, or a favorite one of these is, you know, my parents, X, Y, Z, you know, they sort of screwed me up somehow. Okay, great. You know, so they did. I get it. Sucks. But... Now what? Now it's your responsibility. Um, You know, the next one is like your boss. Okay, there's that. You've got, you know, the man in general, like the whole system, the whole whole world. And yeah, there's all kinds of things are screwed up there for sure. 
then what? <laughs> right? Yeah. You, you have to you have to do the best you can to take responsibility to center your power, like we talked about before. Right. And when you do that, you'll be amazed. I mean, talking about like the boss, a classic, classic tale that I've heard a million times. My boss won't give me a raise. Okay. So what are you doing there? You are externalizing your power. My boss is not going to give this thing to me. Okay. So have you worked longer hours? Have you learned new skills? Are you coming up with new ideas? Are you helping the company make more money? Those things are all theoretically under your control. You do that stuff and you're either going to surpass your boss <laughs> or you're gonna to jump to another working situation where you're honored for what you do because you're centering your power. So it's a huge difference between, you know, my boss isn't giving me a raise to, I have created so much value in myself that they have to give me a raise or I'm out. Right. Huge difference. For that kind of a story, it's likely that the boss leaves and the door opens to something even better. Yeah. In that effort. Yeah, that's awesome. So you also talk about the inner critic. So how do we kick that to the curb? And what's the advantage of using the inner critic? <laughs> the inner critic. You read this book pretty well, didn't you? I, did. <laughs> I gotta say. The whole thing. Okay, so the inner critic, I like to call the ick inner critic, right? And the ick is there in everyone. It's built in for a reason. And the reason is to protect us, right? And that's a good reason. It's just not always relevant. And this is one of these things that, that can and often does go subconscious. If it goes subconscious, you're not even willing to try something, right? because you're so scared of the reaction. Then you become more conscious of it and you're like, oh, I'm not good enough, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. So what's the deal with the inner critic? It's there, it's there for a reason, and it can be your ally. So when you understand that, that it is actually there to help you, not to hurt you, and you can kind of reframe its role in your psyche, you can actually use it to your benefit. So, you know, that's the very short version, but in the, in the workshops that I do and the, um, and the uh, coaching, we do meditations, we've, you know, sort of work, uh, worksheets, you know, stuff like this to go in and first you have to identify what that inner critic really is what it's really trying to do again it's 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 always what's underneath so once you get that and you can make peace and even better realign those energies it's a whole new story cool and then what would advice would you give your clients right now who um are stumbling kind of with everything that's going on what are they experiencing right now during quarantine that you're seeing and how are you helping them out well, I mean, obviously, this is a very, very difficult time for many, many people, if you know, everyone, really. Mm -hmm. So when things change, although there can be a whole lot of pain and suffering and anxiety, depression, all kinds of stuff like that, believe it or not, there is always some kind of silver lining. It might not be obvious but it is there. So, you know, a general piece of advice these days would be look at your life very carefully for that silver lining. You know, hey, because you're not out running around and socializing and, you know, you're missing all that stuff. That sucks. It's terrible. But guess what? Could you write or make music or learn a new skill on the computer? You got the internet right? <laughs> There's a million classes out there that, I mean, it's, it is endless what you could be doing. 
during this time, you know, reading books, downloading stuff. I mean, it depends what you are, who, what you want, etc. So it's, it's just looking for that and doing, it's always doing what you can do with what you've got. Right. Right. Whether it's, I'm stuck in my apartment and it's quarantine or it's the entrepreneur with, I have a million dollars, but I actually need 1.6 million to do my thing. Well, tough luck. Do it for a million. Yeah. What would you like to leave our listeners with today? Um, I would like to leave your listeners with a concept that is kind of the baseline of my philosophy around creativity. So I believe that creativity at its best is a way for us to be seen, expressed, healed, and connected. By the way, this is not in the book because I thought of it after I wrote the book. Like a book. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Um, so what does this mean? To be seen. In this world, we are often not seen. You know, from driving down the highway or walking down the city street to the internet, you're basically invisible. Then you get your next level where it's your acquaintances and your coworkers and stuff like that. And eh, they kind of get you, they kind of see you, but not really. And they probably don't care that much anyway. And then you've got your close people, you know, your family, your good friends, and hopefully they get you, they see you deeply, but maybe not always or as much as you would like. So that's the seeing part. Um, to be expressed, in my definition, is simply to move from potential to actual, right? So an example of this is the dancer. So you got this dancer, it's Saturday night, she knows all the moves, she's this great dancer, and she's sitting in the corner while the disco ball's going and you know the music's thumping. In that moment, she is not expressed as a dancer. When she gets on that dance floor, she's a dancer. She is expressed as a dancer. Okay, so what's the healed part? To be healed with your creativity is to have, you know, on one hand, like a catharsis. I wrote this breakup song to get it out, right? And there's tons and tons of art and creativity that have been sort of like that. But Healing can also occur in things that don't feel so heavy or negative, right? When you, um, you know, write the love song, what's the healing in the love song? Perhaps the healing in the love song is all the days and months where you were lonely is now being healed and you're expressing that. So when you are seen, expressed, and healed through your creativity, you give the gift of your creativity to the world, and that is Madison Square Garden, at the top of the charts, or it's one person. But here's the deal, here's where it gets even cooler. When you give your gift of creativity to the world, you become the gift, because you show others that they can be seen, expressed, and healed in their creativity. And that is huge. And that reframes the entire concept of what we're doing as creatives or artists, right? This isn't just like, oh, I'm writing a book because it's fun. I like to dance because it expresses myself, something like that. This puts us together in a gang, an army, right? That is here to heal the world through our creativity. And you know, that through the movies you've seen and the songs and whatever art, you know, visual art or something that you're into, when that stuff really hits you, it's big, like really big. It is life-changing. It is transcendent. And when we can add to that, we can express our own truths through whatever kind of creativity we're into, that helps to heal the world. So that's why I'm here. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm doing. So that's, yeah. And you have a special offer for our guests. You want to let I them do, know. as a matter of fact. Yeah, almost forgot. Uh, I'm happy to do a 15-minute <clears throat> free uh, coaching session with anyone to see how I might be able to help you out. 
So you can just go to my website I, and there's a place to sign up for that. I think you'll probably put that on your- I will. Somewhere. Website. Yeah. yeah, so click away, sign up, and I would love to meet all y'all and see what we can do. Great. Thanks for offering that, Jeff. I really appreciate it. And I know it'll be good for our, our listeners too. I hope take him up on his offer. Absolutely. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me here. That was so fun. It was great. Thanks for being a guest. I really appreciate you and appreciate the work you're doing. And I'm so happy to have you on the show. Absolutely. Thank you. And thanks everyone for joining me. This is Liz Peterson on Raise the Vibe with Liz. Remember to get out there and raise the vibe. Thanks for joining me, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's show on Raise the Vibe with Liz. If you like this content and want to support me, please go to Patreon at Raise the Vibe with Liz or click the link in the description of this show. And remember, change starts with you. So get out there and raise the vibe. Thank you, everyone.